as much as the UFO community says, oh, we want more young people, we want more young people, <laughs> that young person comes along and they're kind of shunned. This is Tim Benall of BenallofAmerica.com with another edition of Benall of America Audio Season 2. It is February 10th, 2007, and I'm a tad under the weather this week, so we'll try and fly right through the usual voiceover portion of the program. Our guest this week is John Greenwald, founder of BlackBall.com, for Part 2 of 2, the payoff to the cliffhanger we left you on last week, as our conversation now delves into the topic of youth and ufology. Ufology's problem with young people, why aren't they coming to ufology? What can we do to bring them there? What's John's experience been like as a young person in ufology? And how young people may change the field if they get involved. In addition to that, we're going to talk about Project Preserve History and John's podcast series at theblackvault.com, known as Black Vault Radio. We talk about all that and much, much more here in this concluding portion of our Marathon John Greenwald interview. I've got good news and bad news in a way for you. We'll start with the bad news. There is some audio problems at at a couple points. There's some fuzz and a few uh, fuzz pops, as I like to call them. I'm not really sure. I'm sure they have a technical name. They're not too many. I want to apologize in advance for that, and hopefully you'll be patient enough to deal with that, and it's really only happens a couple times in the interview. But the content was so amazing that I didn't want to just edit out the fuzzy parts. The good news is, I was a guest on Red Ice Radio, and chances are by the time you're listening to this, you'll be able to get the banal interview from Red Ice Radio, so you get a little bit of double banal this weekend, and definitely a unique situation here as I was a guest on a program as opposed to being the host. I'll give you a nice little overview of what I was talking about and how to go about getting a hold of the interview at the end of this week's edition of Been All of America Audio, so stick around for that. For those of you who are unfamiliar with John Greenwald, let me give you a little bit of background on him. John Greenwald is a researcher, activist who began looking into government conspiracies at the age of 15 and wrote his first book, Beyond UFO Secrecy, at 20. Over the last 10 years, he has developed his website, blackvault.com, into one of the Internet's premier resources for esoteric information in the form of declassified government documents obtained via the Freedom of Information Act. Blackball.com is the largest online community of its kind in the world, with over 440,000 declassified government documents, over 15,000 archived news articles, and over 14,000 photographs of military aircraft and UFOs. It has been called one of the largest technological achievements on the Internet and has won over 60 awards. John Greenwald is also an accomplished television producer, having helped create a variety of programs for the History Channel, Discovery Channel, National Geographic Channel, and many others. He's also the host of a twice-weekly podcast series, Black Vault Radio, and, of course, his website is www.blackvault.com, B-L-A-C-K-V-A-U-L-T.com, all one word. Check it out for a wealth of esoteric material. Without any further ado, let's rock and roll. This interview was recorded on January 9th, 2007. John Greenwald, part two of two, talking about young people, ufology, and much, much more on Banal of America Audio, season two. The next big topic I want to discuss with you, and that's uh, really uh, sort of a pet topic here on Banal of America Audio, that's the youth and ufology. Ufology's problem with attracting young people. Uh, We're having no problem attracting crazy people, but we are having a problem attracting young people. Um, To start it out with the big question, really, why is ufology experiencing this problem of a lack of young people, and how can we fix it? Let's start with that big picture uh, question. Sure. Um, I, you know, I think you can answer this a couple ways. I think first and foremost is, is, you know, what I just talked about and that the media makes fun of it. Mm-hmm. If you're involved in UFO research, you have no credibility and, and you're, pardon the expression, a dork or a nerd mm-hmm. or 
or it's ridiculous or it's all made up and you're stupid for just and, and really they make you out for being stupid for believing this stuff yeah. that is very much untrue look at the evidence and you know that there's something more to investigate exactly. so when somebody who is a teenager or not very far off from being a teenager comes across the UFO topic why are they going to put their reputation and trust me in high school reputation is yeah everything, <laughs> why are they going to put their reputation on the line? They won't do it. Now, when I started this, I was 15. Yeah. I did my first huge interview. I was on Art Bell a couple times, but it really wasn't known what I did. When I did my first big interview, I was um, I was about 17 years old, 18 years old. I was still in high school, obviously. I was a junior, I believe, or senior. Uh, so, I, yeah, so I was 17. And I shot uh, with NBC, oh, which wow. was a obviously a huge network. Yeah. And you fear that because NBC, when they came to my house, I did the interviews and they interviewed my whole family and it was a, a big to-do and yeah. I, I did not expect that at all. And they they said, and I took the day off school to do this. <laughs> so it was, it was a fun day for me. But they said, hey, is your school in session right now? And I said, yes, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a year-round schedule, so I had months off at a time. I, it was, uh, you know, November when they shot it or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And they said, hey, let's go to your school. And, well, I'm 17 at the time, and I'm going, uh, okay. You know, I wasn't involved in TV production at this time, so they could pretty much ask me to run around naked. I probably would have done it because I was so scared. <laughs> but I said, yeah, okay, absolutely. So we hopped in the car, and I drove the director out to the um, to, to my school, and and sure enough, they shot me. So here's this crew, this big crew from, from NBC, big enough anyway, for a high schooler yeah. to be walking around, and they're shooting me. Well, why are they shooting me? And so word started spreading what I did. And on the contrary to what you might believe, the school was very accepting to what I did. And they actually announced it on the loudspeaker, which is very, very embarrassing for me. Yeah. But people were very accepting of it. Not many people are like that. Yeah. To where if somebody says, I'm going to investigate UFOs, I want to do something different, I want to be involved in this, I want to join MUFON, I want to whatever, mm -hmm. if they're 17, 18, 19 years old, that's not the cool thing to do, and I don't understand it. It is the cool thing to do. Yeah. You know, I love it. I'm the first to, to say, hey, if you want to do it, you do it, because it is a blast. And, and I've never had as much fun in life, no matter what I'm doing, than going to some of these symposium. I'm telling you, yeah. if anybody knows how to party, for any teenagers that are listening or post-teenagers, <laughs> if you're over 21, about drinking, because I wouldn't tell anybody under 21 to drink. Of course not. If you're over 21 or, or 21 and over, you go to these symposiums, it's all about having a good time. It's not about getting drunk or whatever. That's not what I'm going for. It's about being with your friends, having a good time, and spending time with people that have similar interests than you, yeah. and it's just the best time. That's what it's all about. And and to me, that's what, when I first did my, my first lecture was um, 18, 19 years old. I did it for International Move On Symposium. It was the biggest lecture, one of the biggest I did. The first one was in uh, Missouri. And, uh, in, and I lectured in front of about 1,200 people, and I'll tell you, I was petrified. Yeah. But, but when those lights go off, off and you're talking to the people, and people just want to talk to you and learn more about the subject, not to get in front of the cameras, you know, the news cameras, not because they want to be in the limelight or be on a movie or television show, nothing to do with that. They care about it. And that gives you a whole new perspective on the UFO topic that you don't see when you're watching television. Yeah. So back to your original uh, question about young people is that they're not... They're not confronted with that. They, they don't know what it's like to have the people care about what you may have found out or, or to have other people really genuinely care about telling you what they have found out. Yeah. And I, and I think that, and I would encourage anybody, go to a local MUFON meeting or something and just kind of see what it's like. If you don't like it, well, you haven't lost anything. You lost an hour and a half of your life. Big deal. Mm -hmm. But if you like it, you're gaining something that really a lot of people are finding value in across the nation and across the world. And and I, I think that's the fundamental problem is that young people today, they don't have the television shows that show them that it's cool. They have the television shows that show them it's a joke. Yeah. And that's why I got into television production a few years ago. And you may have seen some of my shows on History Channel. Um, I've done non-UFO programming also on, on many other networks. 
but I've done about six hours of programming on the UFO topic for History Channel, part of the UFO file series. Yeah. And th with every show that I'm involved in, I want to make sure that if, if you watch that one-hour show, if you devoted an hour of your life to watching what I have spent four months and it does take four months to put one of those things on the air for, for a one-hour show, yeah. which comes down to 45 minutes and 10 seconds of content. For 45 minutes and 10 seconds of content, it takes me four months to put that sucker on the air. I'm going to make sure you walk away from that, that you find value in it. And that's what I've tried to do and achieve. And so far, I think it's it's been doing very well and that it's it's really has sparked a lot of interest from people who haven't had anything to do with the UFO phenomenon, young and old, that have called MUFON and called UFO organizations trying to find out more. Yeah. Because it, it's not about cool or uncool. Trust me, it's cool. But it's not about that. It's it's simply down to the fact that if you're curious then you do it because you can make a difference. When I was 15 years old, I can't tell you who shunned me from the field of getting involved. It really sucked. Yeah. And it's not easy when you're 15 or 16 years old and you're trying to do something different. Mm -hmm. um, but I stuck with it, and, and I would pass that on to anybody curious in that look at it because I guarantee you're going to get interested in it. But on top of that, Stay interested in it. Do not let anybody deter you from sticking with it. Because as much as the UFO community says, oh, we want more young people, we want more young people, <laughs> that young person comes along and they're kind of shunned. I experienced that myself. Yeah. And, and so don't worry about that because we're not used to it. You know, people in the UFO community, I've only spent 10 years in it. Think about somebody who spent three or four or five times as much as long yeah. as long as I've had. Mm -hmm. And then somebody who's 16, 17, 18 years old comes along, they're not going to believe you. Don't worry. I'm not talking bad about anybody in the UFO field. I'm just simply stating a fact that you have to say and prepare yourself, hey, I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to show them. That's exactly what I did. Mm -hmm. And now some of my best friends in the field are some of the top names in ufology. Not meaning to brag with that statement. I'm no, just simply I stating. I, I, I really just focused on sticking with it and trying to do something different. And and I would encourage anybody, if if you don't want to be a prominent figure, it's not a problem. Just simply look into it. And I guarantee there's something there that you would never, ever expect. Yeah. Okay, and you kind of touched on this in a way in your answer here, um, but maybe we can talk about how to fix it. The public relations problem of ufology, that it's uncool, how, and, and you talked about how you try to fix that with, with the TV uh, segments you produce. And uh, I want to kind of also throw into this question um, an observation as well, that in the last five years uh, ufology has taken a big hit because of the 9-11 research, a lot of young people are going there. And it seems like ufology has been left out in the cold because of the 9-11 research. How do we make ufology look cool and speak to that 9-11 siphoning of uh, our young people? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it, it's, a, it's a good point. I, I think that, the, that if young people are looking into the 9-11 theories, conspiracies, or so on, yeah. I would encourage them to do so. If that's what they're interested, absolutely oh, yeah. do it. Yeah. But that motivation is going to run cold. Um, this is a whole radio show in itself. I personally don't buy into the 9-11 conspiracy. Mm -hmm. I just don't. Um, very briefly, I am, a, I am a Republican. It is no uh, secret for those who are in tune with the Black Vault. I am a Republican. I did vote for George W. Bush, and in fact, you can see an open letter that I did write to him about a year ago. And I don't buy into the theories. In fact, the, the, the newest edition of the Black Vault radio, as we record uh, uh, your radio show right now, mm -hmm. is with Richard Dolan. And with Richard Dolan... Uh, we talked about the 9-11 conspiracy, and he, and he is very much in uh, support of that theory, that it was an inside job to an effect and, and believes in that conspiracy, and I personally do not. So we had a very healthy discussion on that. Sounds awesome. Um, however, you know, it, but, but to support it, though, it, it doesn't matter what you believe. If you're interested in doing the legwork and looking into it, that's a start, no matter what you're looking into. Yeah. And that's the encouraging factor in that if there are young people... 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, no matter how old you are looking into it, 
you go, guy or girl. You know, you have fun with it. You you have a blast. Ask those questions that, that ask those questions that need to be asked. I know that there's tons of them that need to be asked. Uh, I will never ever refute that. Um, if you're interested in the UFO phenomenon. Don't dismiss that either because you can contribute something. You may have a certain mindset or certain ideas or ideals or morals or whatever it may be that other people in this field don't have. There aren't a ton of us out there that are looking into this. Yeah. You know, you and I are, are, are very, very rare when it comes to the young people looking in, into this and others who have been in this 20, 30, 40, 50 years may be so, so burned out and, and, again, not trying to be disrespectful but maybe so burned out that they don't know those questions to ask or they don't know where to look simply because they come from a different background. They come from a different mindset. They come from a different world altogether. I hate to say that, but they do. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that different era in history that they are different than us, that you and I, being 25 and 27 years old, can think of questions or think of ways to approach things or think of ways to get this out to the public public that they cannot think of has nothing to do with intelligence, has nothing to do with anything other than they just grew up in a different era. We grew up with internet and the evolution of the dot com and, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And some of these guys who have been in the UFO topic for 30 years, they're using email and that's the top of the line. That is how yeah. far it goes. Yeah. You know, and, and again, I, I so do not mean any disrespect, disrespect with that. It's just how it is. Yeah. So with any young person who's out there listening to this going, yeah, I'd really like to contribute something, but, you know, I really can't or there's nothing to the topic. Well, believe me, I've been in this for 10 years. There is something to the topic. It doesn't take any rocket scientist to figure that out. Exactly. But on top of that, you can make a difference because you come from a different schooling, because you come from a different mindset. And, and that's why I would encourage anybody to get into this. Mm -hmm. To change it, I don't know. I've tried my hardest to, you know, produce television shows that, that do appeal to the younger audience. Um, I think I've achieved that with even more, more topics than just UFOs. I produced a show on the Freemasons, um, produced a show on, um, uh, prophecies that, that, uh, were against, uh, ancient Babylon, which may have been present day Iraq that was on History Channel. Uh, that was called Prophecies of Iraq. Yep. Uh, that was a, a big, a very big show. It was voted the top five shows to watch in, in, uh, late last year in 2006 by British Archaeology, which wow. was a, a big, big deal. That nice. was a big accolade to get. So, you know, I, I've done many of these different shows, but, but when it comes to the UFO topic, again, like I said earlier, you want to, I, I want you to walk away after spending one hour of your life, 45 minutes and 10 seconds of watching what I put on the television show and all the rest wasted by commercials and, you know, all those other stuff that you see. <laughs> yeah. But when you walk away from that, that you learn something. That's how I'm trying to change this UFO community um, as the best that I can. The other part of it is that, you know, I'm trying to show you, uh, not you personally, but, but everybody, that there's something to this topic by the documents. Yeah. When you look at the documents that come from the U.S. government, you cannot help but conclude there is something to this topic. There's something there. You, you cannot dispute it. You, you just can't. And so when you look at those things, I, I hope that I encourage people to say, hey, this warrants a, a bigger investigation, and they go out and do something. Yeah. I don't know what else to do. You know, I mean, there's other people that are doing um, their own thing, whether it be via radio shows, which which I myself just launched Black Vault Radio again last week, which is is, is very doing very very well. Um, stati statistics are showing that uh, Black Vault Radio is now in, being streamed in ten different countries and twenty different states in the United States. So, and that's just in the first seven days. Today was my seventh relaunch, so it's it's doing very very well. It's overwhelming that I did not uh, expect it at all. And my goals with that is to then just take the next step into that generation that I did not grow up in. I'm 25. I didn't grow up in, grow up in the podcast generation to where these 14 and 15-year-olds that got their iPods for Christmas are downloading shows like In All of America and 
and my show, Black Vault Radio, they're downloading our shows and they're putting it on their on their iPods. Yeah. That's what you and I are trying to do. That's what we're we're trying to achieve. That these young these youngsters who got those iPods and got their MP3 player cell phones, and Apple just announced their you know iTunes cell phone today or whatever god awful thing they announced. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? There's a generation coming up that that's what they're going to be raised with, mm-hmm. and they're going to be downloading shows like yours and downloading shows like mine that. They're going to be interested in it, and when you and I are 45, we go, oh, thank God we have these 21-year-olds that are interested in in, <laughs> yeah. uh, in the topic, you know, and I'm really hoping that that's how it plays out. And one of the things that I heard a lot uh, when I was coming up, and I've only been doing this for about three years now, so uh, it's uh, it was relatively recently, um, was a lot of people sort of, um, let me see how to put this, fears of UFO research hurting your long-term career. Um, have you grappled with those sort of uh, worries and, and that sort of thing? And Because uh, I personally have, and eventually after a while you just sort of say, F it, i got to go with what I'm going to do here. But I'm sure that you've sort of heard from uh, people, you know, don't get mixed up in this UFO thing, it's going to hurt your long-term career. Uh, how do you deal with that sort of uh, fear or, or issue? Well, I've been doing it uh, pretty much for the majority of my life, so not many can argue with me, hey, if you get into this thing, you're going to ruin your whole life, because really, this I don't want to say this is my life, because it's not 100% of what I do. I do do television production and produce a lot of cool television shows, but it is the majority of my life, and that I've been in this for a very long time, and I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. When it comes to other people who are thinking about getting into it and are warned about their careers or their life or whatever, you know what? If you believe in it, you shouldn't worry about it. Mm -hmm. If you believe in trying to get to the bottom of the truth, if you believe in trying to figure out what really is truly behind these types of topics, whether it be UFOs or paranormal or whatever it might be, just don't don't let it get to you. you. You just can't because if you believe in it, what they say, whomever they are, shouldn't mean anything. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I just, I, I hope that that's not really the determining factor on whether or not this is cool enough for anybody to look into. Or this will be um, either negatively impacting their career or even positively impacting their career. I hope that nobody gets into this field because wow, if I can figure out something, this is really going to do wonders for my paycheck. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope that that's not the motivation because this topic, well, you're going to have a really bad surprise coming your way, but you're not going to get uh, anything into your paycheck uh, when it comes to UFO research and, and beyond. So I, I think that, um, that that the motivation has to come with, within, from within, and you have to understand that it's, it's not going to positively impact your career to where you're just going to be the Nobel Prize winning uh, most highly paid physicist or astronomer or whomever that discovered something that no one else has. You know, this is a topic that probably won't be definitively answered for quite some time, but that's okay. That's the fun of it all. That's why some people are in it. That's why some people devote hours and hours and hours, tens of hundreds of hours every month or year of their life to investigating this because we don't know. Yeah. And, and a lot of this should be fun for everybody. I have a blast with it. You know, when it comes to the UFO topic, I have a blast with it because I can't tell you what to believe. I can't tell you the facts because they're really very few and far between to come by the facts. You can't really definitively say UFOs are aliens or not. Yeah. You just can't. If anybody wants to tell you that, well, turn the other way because they don't know. Exactly. You know, they may believe that, but if they say they have proof of that, that's a different story. Yeah. You know, it, the motivation comes by just your own curiosity and just being a human being. Mm-hmm. And, and you have that inside of you. No one ever can tell you not to do it because it'll ruin your career. Yeah. Furthermore, if they do tell you that, you know that there's an underlying issue that they just can't handle the truth, whatever that might be. Why are they so afraid? If somebody devotes however many hours of their life to the UFO topic, who are you, and again, not you, yeah. but who are you to say, you shouldn't do that, it'll ruin your career? 
how do you know? You haven't probably put any any investigation into this at all. Yeah. You know, so there's some kind of underlying issue, whatever that might be, that they are just simply afraid. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Because I truly believe the vast majority of the United States of America and or the world is not ready for some kind of government to come clean and say, yeah, you know what, the UFO topic is genuine. There are extraterrestrials out there. They've been communicating with our government and so on. I truly believe that the human race is not ready for it. Now, you and I might be ready for it. The people that are listening might be ready for it. But what percentage of the world is not? And I truly believe that that is probably 90-plus percent of the world that just simply does not look at a topic like this, if not more, 90-plus, 95-plus, that say don't look at a topic like this because they don't believe in it, they want to laugh at it, or because the media tells you it's a joke. And, And that's very much not true. It's not uncool to look into a topic like this. And again, I'll say it again. It's very cool to look at a topic like this. If it fascinates you, if it makes you happy, if you feel you can contribute something, I mean, you name it, it is cool to look into it. And it's not a waste of time. And if it was a waste of time, I think in the last 50 years, 60 years, I'm sorry, 60, because this year is the 60th anniversary anniversary of the of the Roswell incident, yep. after 60 years, that you would have a definitive, hey, the UFO topic is uncool. <laughs> and no one can tell you that. <laughs> you know, they just don't have that yet. Yep. And 60 years after the Roswell incident, no one can tell you, hey, this didn't happen because of this. No one can tell you that. Yep. And that's just one incident out of thousands across the world that have happened that you can look into and say, hey, maybe there's something to this, or documents. One, you know, this is tens of thousands of pages that you can download on the Black Vault that you go, hey, there's something to this. Photographs, videos, some of the stuff that you just cannot take and the experts themselves say, uh, you know, this is this cannot be faked, that there's something there. So. You know, it, it is cool to look into it and, and to change it. I, I just think that people have to realize that the media sucks yeah. no matter what channel you're watching, no matter how politically biased you think some of these networks are. To repeat myself, I am a Republican. I love Fox News. I do watch it. I'm sure <laughs> many of your listeners are cringing right now. But you know what? I cringe at what they say sometimes. They are anti-administration right now. Uh, and, I, and I think no matter what network you watch, it is going to be, you know, all over the map. And they are going to side with what society thinks is either cool or uncool. Yeah. And I truly believe that it is cool to hate the president. That's why a lot of these media places are are, are latching on to that and, and their um, editorials and everything are anti-Bush and anti-Bush administration and, and, and talking bad about the government, not looking at the facts. Again, that's debatable. But that's what I believe. In the same respect, that's how it is with the UFO topic. It's, it's uncool to look into this. It is not hip to report this in a serious manner. Look at how the UFO that's being seen over, uh, that was seen last November over Chicago O'Hare Airport. Yeah. Yes, it was reported by the media, but how many, how many legit stories did you see that didn't have a punchline at the end? Exactly, yeah. There may have been, you know, for all I know, there may have been one or two, mm-hmm. but not many. And the majority of the places that have that or that are reporting it, that take the time to report it, are pretty much telling you at the end that these people are crackpots that saw it. And for anybody who flies or, 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 or takes their life in their own hands by stepping onto a commercial airliner, which, trust me, I do myself, mm-hmm. um, and put their trust into people like this, those are the ones that reported that UFO. If you don't trust them, who can you trust when it comes to the UFO topic? Exactly. So, you know, that's not to ramble on. But. <laughs> that's all right. That's, you know, we let people talk as long as they want on here. Now, usually we get yeah. some great stuff like that. And then another sort of um, hindrance, I guess you could say, to uh, bringing youth into ufology or a worrisome aspect uh, at times of ufology is, and you touched upon this already, and maybe you can sort of talk about uh, grappling with this issue, is the length of time to wait for answers. Uh, the some of the people who have been in ufology for a long time 
uh, have gone to their grave without getting a solid answer. You know, like the, the first generation of ufologists, J. Allen Hynek and, and, and those guys, uh, the, you know, they never found an answer. And, and here's uh, a couple guys like you and me. We're in our 20s. I mean, are we going to be sticking with this for another 25, 30 years waiting to find our an answer? And we're going to be the old men at the MUFON convention who everyone's like, oh, no, this guy's going to die and not find out the answer either. Um, <laughs> how, do you, how do you grapple with... Uh, with that fear, I guess, or, or that issue of, of uh, that it, it's been 60 years, there is no answer, it could be another 60 years, and we may be spinning our wheels here and, and uh, just contributing to the science as a whole, but we're not going to get the payout. Well, that, that is an excellent thought, because um, that could very well be true. You know, in, yeah. in, in 40, 50 years from now, we're in our 70s and 80s, and, and, and we just don't know what the truth is, and we're still plugging away. But you know what? I hope that when we're in our 70s and 80s that we're still having fun with it because yeah. truly that is what it's all about is, is really is really having fun with mm -hmm. this. It, this should not be a lifetime goal to try and figure it out. Yeah. If it is, that's okay. Um, you know, I mean, all the more power to the UFO community if somebody's devoting their whole life. But it really shouldn't be because, look, in 60 years um, and even beyond, I mean, the UFO sightings go well beyond the Roswell incident. It's no secret that it goes well into the biblical era. Yeah. And uh, even UFO sightings uh, being... being um, documented in the Bible and, and, and religious texts and, and religious artwork and stuff. We still don't know the definitive answer, but, but I just hope that people get into it because it's fun. It's fun to look into it. We don't know, which is, which is the majority of that fun, is that we just can't at the end of the day tell you what to believe and what not to believe. Um, how to how to motivate people to get into that, it, it is a very difficult thing. I mean, you, you, um, you can't promise someone, hey, you devote X amount of years to this, you're going to find out the truth. Yeah. Well, what what is the truth? You know, we, we just don't know. Mm -hmm. But you can join a community of people that really just, they, they, that's what they want to get to. Yeah. And and that's and that's really the motivation behind going to meetings every month or 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 meeting every week or or going online and logging on and reading and so on. Um, that's the motivation, and that's what should be the motivation to to anything that you research, whether it be history or or certain areas of history or whatever it might be. Um, you have a common goal. You know, you, you can't think to yourself, oh, it's all, all the scientists who are trying to find a cure for cancer or a cure for AIDS or, or to stop all these deadly diseases that are just absolutely obliterating the human race all over the world. You know, they're doing this for a common goal and a common reason. Now, granted, it might not be, wow, this is fun. Let's try and find a cure for cancer. It's not about that, but they have a common goal. Yeah. And that's what they're going for. Do they believe that they're going to find a, a cure for cancer by the end of their lifetime? Most of them, probably not. Some of them may. You know, same with the UFO community. Yeah. But that's what we're going for. We're going for that common goal. Um, you know, I know that they have their colleagues, and they have their fun in their own right. Yeah. That that's why they're in the field that they chose. That's why we're in the field that we chose. And really, the UFO topic, it's not going to go away. I mean, you know, again, to bring up the Chicago O'Hare UFO sighting, this was November of last year, and this is making mainstream press across the world. Every day, a headline comes across my mailbox from, from Google News that some newspaper is carrying the story. Yeah. And it was all stemmed from this one UFO sighting at O'Hare. And, and that should show everybody that it's not going away. I mean, this thing is definitely in the forefront of the human realm of thinking. Mm -hmm. The next step is trying to understand it. If we keep making jokes about it, then no one's going to take it seriously, and then it's just it's just BS. But it's all of us that the select few that are remaining in the UFO community, because there's not a ton. There's not a ton of people. Yeah. It's the select few that continue um, this kind of legacy into into researching that UFO phenomenon. Going back to Hynek and all the guys that really devoted their lives, and yes, they passed away and they didn't come up with a definitive answer. Look at what we base our research on from the findings of people like Hynek. Yeah. You know, his research did not go unnoticed. It didn't. It didn't die uh, when he did. Mm -hmm. That it went.
went on to present-day research. You know, he died about 20, 25 years ago, if I remember correctly, his year. Uh, that 20, 25 years ago, yes, he passed away. But here's years of research devoting his life, and he was one of the most prominent scientists ever in ufology to do this, that we're still using it today to base some of our research on, to base our theories, and even his conclusions survive to this day, and they are still accurate. So I, I think history proves that if you put in the time, that history will always, always recognize it, and that history will never forget. Yeah. And then to sort of uh, wrap up the uh, youth and ufology discussion, talk about your experience as a young person getting into ufology and paying your dues and that sort of thing, and the people who were influential in, in helping you out. It, it was tough. Um, you know, I don't want to sugarcoat something that doesn't deserve the sugar. It, yeah. it was not an easy thing to try and get acclimated into the UFO community and to show people, hey, you know, I've got something to offer. Mm -hmm. um, Stanton Friedman was one of the first people that I went for uh, contacting and contacted him, and he was just uh, awesome when I contacted him. He, you know, was very encouraging and, and pretty much told me to stick with it and, and sent me some of his research articles and, you know, just didn't charge me a dime for it. And, and he was really one that motivated me that said, hey, there's something here and the community welcomes the newcomers. Yeah. But on the contrary, you know, when I started, uh, before I started the Black Vault, just kind of searching UFO sites and so on and so forth, you, you get that reality that if you're 15 or 16 or a teenager mm -hmm. and you're interested in the UFO topic and you go and ask questions, the people are like, they don't want to hear it. Yeah. You know, that, that they've been in it for a long time and they're so much better than you are. That was a very hard thing to handle because I knew that I was very motivated to do this, but how can you get motivated when a lot of people just didn't, you know, give you the time of day? Mm -hmm. So, and, and I, and probably that that's true with, with any field, exactly. but more so with UFOs because you kind of take it personally, you know, you're like, well, wait a minute, I'm really, I really want to add something to this and, and, and no one cares, yeah. you know. Um, in the same respect that there has been 60, plus years of research into this topic. So you have a lot to catch up on. Yeah. Um, and that's another hard challenge in that you, you've got to catch up on that 60 years of research on what people know and don't know because if you start going to the message forums and throw something out that is pretty common to you and I, yeah. but, but you haven't heard it every day or you put a theory out there, I don't agree with this, but a lot of people are going to dismiss you, go, ah, I'm a newcomer, you know, who cares, you know, and they're just not going to care with what you have to say. Yeah. That's another hard thing to, to know, and I wish the UFO community would, would get over that because, you know, in 60 years, they've had the opportunity to come up with something, uh, you know, definitive, and they haven't done it yet. <laughs> yeah. So let's welcome the newcomers because they're sorely welcome, and I don't think a lot of people realize that yet. Um, so, you know, let's, we get beyond that. You know, if you're a newcomer and you get in this and you start looking and researching, you know, I find a lot of people remain quiet for six months. I don't recommend it. I, I recommend dialogue. Write me an email or write you an email or, or write anybody an email. Stan is, uh, Stan Friedman is, is one that is notorious for responding to those emails yeah. and really kind of encouraging those who want to get into the field. I mean, he's a wealth of knowledge, so I would, I would highly recommend anybody writing Stan or myself. I mean, I, I love getting your emails and questions and, you know, where I can point you to. And, and the message forums, I mean, when it comes to the Black Vault, I've got a message forum on there. It has, um, I don't know if I've reached 500,000. Oh, I'll check it right now as I'm talking. But uh, it's got about 500,000 posts on the message board. And 500,000 things to read is is a lot to read. So you could definitely keep busy there. But what's very cool about the people that, that uh, go on to the Black Vault message forums is they're pretty open to hearing new thoughts and they'll respond to you or point you to certain directions to kind of help you in your research. So, you know, get, getting beyond that uh, initial fear is the toughest challenge for anybody. And, and I'll tell you right now, it is not easy. Mm -hmm. It really isn't. Yeah. But I, I would tell you more than than anybody, stick with it because I was there, I've been there, I don't want to put anyone there. But I want to tell you that when you when you write the people 
in the UFO community that are the right people to write, like Stan Friedman, he'll help you. And you will be guided, you know, to where you need to be guided to. And then you're going to find your footing mm-hmm. and then really kind of take it from there. Exactly. And, and, yep. and kind of be on your own. And and uh, and it's a, it's a very good feeling when you come up with something or research something or, or, or put in the time to research something that no other researcher has done or, or has the ability to do because, you know, you get involved with MUFON and you start going to these local uh, areas and local chapters of the MUFON organization, Mutual UFO Network, um, you, you start getting into that, you'll start coming across cases that really it's only that particular group that will investigate it. And if you're the only one that cares to go out and do it, you're the only one in the field. Yeah out of the whole world that's going to allow to do it. Yeah. And so that fact alone shows that you can make a difference. Mm-hmm. So get get past how old you are. You know, just know that it's going to be tough and, and, and brace through it. Know that we don't have an answer yet. Be tough, brace through it. And know that you may not be accepted in, 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 in open arms, which I hate to say because I wish it was different. It's just the way it is with some of these guys who have been in this field for 40, 50 years. Yeah. They may not write you back or they may not return your call or whatever it may be. Just bear through it. Yeah. Go show them who you are and what you can contribute, and I guarantee you'll be one of the top names in the field, and you'll be running your own show, and then hopefully you'll have uh, you'll have one of us on your shows. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I can totally uh, identify with, with how you sort of described that evolution there because that's kind of how it's been here for uh, in all of America. You know, we started out, we were beating down doors to try and get guests, and now, you know, we're getting people trying to contact us to be on the show, so it's, it's a complete 180. And uh, you get your face out there, and you put in the legwork, and after a while, people will recognize you and recognize your work. It's not like you're the newcomer anymore. Now you're part of the club. And it's just sort of exactly. It's just sort of happening. And, and it's and, and I'd love to point out that that it really is like that anywhere. It's not exactly. that the UFO topic totally. sucks, mm-hmm. and that wow, boy, those guys they want to know the truth and they don't welcome any anybody in their field. I guarantee that if I went out there and tried to say, hey, I know the cure for cancer and this is why I know it, that you know the scientific community is either a going to ignore me and delete my emails, <laughs> or b going to laugh at me and and point fingers and go look at this idiot. Yeah. You know, and I, so it is like. That anywhere mm-hmm. that you go, it's just the UFO topic can really welcome a wide array of people, yeah. um, and, and and that's why it really kind of um, goes under a lot of scrutiny because it can welcome so many people. Yeah. But then again, so many people find that rejection is as bad as it is, as it is to use that word. They find that rejection. So then it's like, well, see, the UFO community doesn't care about the truth. They just don't want to welcome anybody. Well, no, it's like any scientific-based research community uh, that they want to welcome those who they know want to be in it. Yeah. So you do have to kind of earn your dues, but, you know, it's 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 absolutely well worth it. Yeah. What I wanted to ask you about is I saw this on the com, and that's uh, Project Preserve History. Now, I'm a huge... Yes. I'm a huge uh, UFO history fan. Um, I really love uh, learning more about the history of the UFO phenomenon. And I have a great appreciation that you also are interested in the history of the UFO phenomenon because part of the burden that you and I face is that we're going to have to tell the stories of these people who have come and gone and who are going to go and leave the field to the great beyond. We're, we're going to be uh, tasked with keeping uh, alive their legacy. So... Let's talk about Project Preserve History. Sure. Uh, Project Preserve History was something I started uh, a couple years ago, and it really was for what you just mentioned in that it was for the love of history that I have, uh, not only for the UFO topic but beyond. And what I realized was when you search the Internet, you see a, a lot of the same rehash stories, the same stories that you hear over and over and over. And um, There wasn't a whole – there's value to it to an extent, but there wasn't a whole lot of – historical value. You know, it was just, again, the same repeated stories. And what I found out by some gracious visitors to my site was that I was getting these donations of of, um, magazines and newspaper clippings and stories and all this stuff, and I realized that there's there, there's so much history out there that we're not hearing about. Mm-hmm. You know, we see the, the, the Roswell Daily Records 
news article on, um, on uh, in 1947 about the Roswell incident, or we'll see a couple of headlines about the Phoenix Lights, or you know. And, and granted, you can find a lot more, but there is 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 a hundred times more than that that has been published and put out there um, into the world that really never sees the light of day. Because granted. That newspaper is published on Monday. By Tuesday night, it what? It's in the fireplace. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it's it's starting your kindling for your fire. So, a lot of those stories are lost, and and people were donating these old magazines that were sixty years old. And oh wow! Just uh, immense amounts of data that was coming in. So, Project Preserve History is one that I'm I'm very behind in doing. Um, but I'm, I'm planning on archiving and scanning these newspaper articles and books. One of the things that I got was a first edition George Adamski book, uh, with, with his first book, and I'm, forgive me, cause I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his, uh, on the title of his first book. But anyway, it was Adamski's first book. And I, I was sent the, the first edition of it with the book cover still attached, uh, published, you know, about 60 years ago or whenever the, the actual publication date was. And it took me about a year to realize, but sure enough, when I started flipping through it, when I was going through some stuff, it was actually autographed by Adamski. Oh, wow. Um, you know, and it's like, wow, that's such a treasure of history in yeah. the UFO field. You know, it's like you wonder how many things are out there that will never, ever see the light of day or when certain ufologists pass away and then those things are donated either to a family member who doesn't care and either they throw them out or sell them on eBay or donate them to a university or whatever they may do, and then they just disappear. And Project Preserve, Preserve History is the effort to bring those things to the Internet to where you can look at those things and see the value of the history behind it and have it not sit in somebody's filing cabinet or or just die in, in the uh, progression of time. You know, I don't want that to happen. So mm -hmm. Preserve History is that effort to collect those things. I've got hundreds of articles, books, magazines, uh, really old uh, copies of Fate magazine that, uh, that really are very, very rare. I've talked to the owner of Fate Magazine, and apparently there was a fire uh, many, many years ago uh, with Fate, with uh, the Fate Magazine headquarters, and many of the issues were lost. Oh wow! And so um, Phyllis Galdi, who is the owner of Fate Magazine, and I uh, were very close friends, and I told her that we have to sit down, and I want to invite her over. She's going to be in L.A. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, invite her over so she can look at some of the old issues of Fate Magazine that I have to see because she's still missing some of the ones that were lost on the fire. So mm -hmm. those types of things are, are, are definitely valuable in this field. I've even, there was one collection that I saw on eBay one time, I, I recollect about uh, probably about six years ago, um, five or six years ago before I even started this project yeah. on eBay. And it was three three-ring binders that were from a ufologist that I had never heard of, and, and I don't think the field has really um, heard of that much, not, not anybody that's prominent in the U UFO history. And were all these UFO research projects that he conducted on his own with uh, samples from dirt and, and um, wow, uh, vegetation samples and everything that were pasted into this notebook. Three of them, three, three of these three ring binders, and and it was it was the guy passed away. He passed on his information to someone else, and they put it on eBay and tried to get make money on it. And I tried. I told them I would make payments. I would do anything it took to get these things because obviously, you know, that kind of stuff is so rare. Yeah. And they just did not go for it, and um, and they just wanted to make their money and never heard from them again. So it's those types of things that you never hear about in the UFO circle that uh, that, that I'm trying to preserve, and, and hence Project Preserve History was born. That's awesome. That's awesome, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, the UFO field, it tends to live in the now, it seems, in times, and, and uh, I think uh, a greater appreciation of the history of the UFO phenomenon. I'd like to see that come about in the next decade or so. <laughs> um, Absolutely.
And also, the other thing, the other big thing I want to talk to you about from the BlackVault.com is the rebirth of Black Vault Radio Network. Um, yes, as you said, you just got it up and running in the last week. You've already got three episodes. You're making me look bad here, John. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> um, you had uh, Stan Friedman, James Carry on. We had him on recently too. He's a great, he's a great guy. I'm looking forward to what he has up his sleeve for the upcoming year or so. And of course, you just said today you posted Richard Dolan, or yesterday. Um, talk about the Black Vault Radio Network. What made you decide to uh, bring it back, and what can we expect from BVRN? Sure. Uh, you know, Black Vault Radio was something I started a few years ago, and it actually even goes before Black Vault Radio even existed. To Millennium Mysteries, which is a radio show I hosted with, uh, co-hosted with Dr. Roger Lear oh, wow. on uh, on a radio network, and he and I worked together. And uh, did um, X amount of shows. I forget how many we did, and I took a break and then came back. The network asked me to come back. I did my own show for a little bit, and uh, it just kind of progressed from there. But last year, I started um, I started the Black Vault Radio about a year ago and did some shows at home, uh, did, did it on the cable radio network, CRN, which was the radio network that was carrying it, and then uh, went off to um, pursue some other syndication deals. And this huge technological uh, problem arose that I couldn't do any more shows, and then I got really busy with some uh, with some History Channel shows that I was working on, and then subsequently a, a National Geographic Channel show. So long story short, there was an unplanned one-year hiatus to the Black Vault Radio, although these things were being hit from all over the world, downloaded and so on, and, and I was seeing that so many people wanted the show to come back, and finally at the first of the year was my plan about last November, I started booking guests, and um, the first of the year was my plan on the relaunch, and sure enough, it uh, it came back, and um, it's, it's stronger than ever, I mean, it, it's getting reviews, uh, great reviews from across the world. It's, it's uh, been streamed by people in 10 different countries and 20 different states in the United States, uh, and it's just seven days in. So the, the response has been overwhelming to the shows. And like you mentioned, Stan Friedman was on, James Carrion, which are, uh, uh, was my first guest for the relaunching. I have a huge respect for MUFON and his vision for the future, so I, I chose him as my, uh, my premier guest for the relaunch show. And today, uh, the, the show that went live was, which was with uh, Richard Dolan on the 9-11 conspiracy. And I do not personally believe that it was an inside job or that there was a government cover-up and Rich is, is on the opposite end of the scale, that he believes absolutely it was an inside job. And uh, we both, I think, agreed that there were some unanswered questions, but we kind of had a, a healthy dialogue about the conspiracy and, and, and what it is to believe or not believe in, into the 9-11 conspiracy. So I think we both asked very good questions to each other that could not be answered. Uh, and so we kind of had just kind of a healthy debate on that. And I've got some good shows already uh, planned for the next couple of weeks, and uh, and that is the Black Vault Radio. It's 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 going good. Every Tuesday and Thursday night, a episode will appear on the com. I don't have a set time necessarily. It kind of depends on uh, on the guest and, and so on. But but generally, every Tuesday and Thursday, a new episode will come online. And uh, got an RSS feed for all those podcaster lovers out there. Yep. And just got approved iTunes. Uh, just approved Black Vault Radio. It is for free. You can subscribe for free, but it's all via iTunes. So you can get that on your iPod and all that good stuff. And on top of all that, I'm very happy to say that 87.9 Radio Metal Storm, uh, headquartered in, in Connecticut, but also airing in Massachusetts and, uh, and also New York, is syndicating the Black Vault Radio. Oh, wow. So on a FM station over there, 87.9. So very happy to say that it is uh, very successful in just the first week that um, people are listening, tuning in, downloading the shows, and, uh, and, and looking forward to the next episode. Awesome, awesome. What can we expect from you in the coming year? Anything you want to plug here or, or stuff you want to mention that's coming up? Sure. Um, well, Black Vault Radio, obviously, every Tuesday and Thursday is coming up, and very excited to have that uh, stay on the air this time and have no technological hiccups. I worked all those out. 
documents are coming. I've got a full filing cabinet, four drawer, tall filing cabinet, full of documents. I cannot fit a single page in this thing that are waiting to be scanned and put on the black vault. So however many thousands of pages that is, yeah. uh, those are awaiting to be on the black vault. And I've also got hundreds of requests to almost every corner of the government on FOIA requests for new documents on top of those. So, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a very, um, it's a very big goal to set if I say I want to take my almost 500,000 pages and turn them into a million over the end of the year. But I'm hoping that there is a way to do that. So my goal is to really kind of shoot for hitting the one million document mark uh, by the end of 07 and, uh, and really just kind of continue and, and you just hopefully satisfy the audience to the Black Vault. It, it grows every day. About 10,000 people uh, every day are now logging on to the BlackVault.com, downloading documents. Um, hundreds of thousands of files are downloaded every month. It's, it's, the statistics are overwhelming yeah. on what is what is being downloaded and, and what is being seen on that site. So I just hope that that continues. I, you know, I want to double my my documents. I want to double my traffic and. And just see, uh, just see where it takes me, and and see what uh, what what 07 will bring me. I kind of take it one day at a time. Awesome, awesome. Any uh, TV specials that you worked on here that uh, we can expect to premiere anytime soon, or is that also sort of uh, in the pipeline? Uh, well, one is going to be re-airing in case anybody missed one of my last History Channel shows. It was called UFO Files Alien Encounters. I did not choose that original title. That's one of the things that you got to deal with as a television producer is that um, those people that get paid more and are smarter than you are will rename your project. And that actually did happen at the end of the show. But Alien Encounters, uh, we don't really talk about aliens. It's more so about uh, the trace evidence and Ted Phillips' work and his work over the past 40, 50 years yep. in the UFO uh, realm and, and his work in trying to show that there is a immense amount of scientific data when a UFO allegedly lands and or um, appears that what he calls the evidence. He goes out and investigates and has over 3,000 sightings. He's actually going to be on the Black Vault radio later this week. That's Thursday's episode. And we're talking about um, really what we talked about on the television show and the, the trace evidence of these cases that have an overwhelming amount of unexplained scientific evidence. Last year I produced this show, again, called Alien Encounters. We'll be airing on the History Channel. So make sure you check your listings. Tune in. It's, it's an excellent show. Ted was very, very happy with it. The UFO community has been very, very happy with it. And, uh, and, and they're just overall, I, I think, very excited to see something that takes the UFO topic seriously. Yeah. And that's what Alien Encounters did. Another show that I co-produced with a, uh, another producer, Dwayne Tudal, he wrote that one. I wrote Alien Encounters. He wrote this one. It was called UFO Files Hangar 18. And this was all about the legendary Hangar 18 that has existed in the UFO um, topic for quite some time. So we kind of uh, dissected the Hangar 18 conspiracy. We actually went to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. I kind of scored that uh, oh, nice. uh, that to get onto the base and actually see what's going on over there. That was a very big treat for me and, and Dwayne. And, uh, and he did an excellent job putting the show together. He also directed that show. He did a, a very, very good job. And uh, that as well has received very, very good reviews from the UFO community. So, again, I co-produced that with Dwayne. He wrote it and then uh, produced and, um, and wrote Alien Encounters. I don't know when Hangar 18 is going to be re-airing, but they air those things all the time. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Do you find that they uh, – because uh, I was uh, on Christmas Day, I think, I was watching the History Channel, and they had like seven or eight UFO file episodes in a row. Do, you, do they just replay yeah. They replay them a lot. Yeah, exactly. They were a. Um, it was. They, they were doing a marathon on the twenty fourth, twenty fifth. Yeah. So you probably saw a couple of my shows. I think uh, I probably did. About yeah. Six um, hours of them so far. So uh, I know that they were in rotation around the twenty fourth, twenty fifth. And they, they, you know, they love those things because again, they they pull big ratings for the History Channel. So exactly. Love exactly. Them. Put on your TiVo and definitely look for Alien Encounters and Hangar Eighteen. Those are two that you produced. And uh, check out your MySpace page where there's a whole list of programs that you've. Been a part of they can they can track down and and watch um, absolutely all right well john we've talked uh for a very long time here and i really appreciate you giving me so much time um i want to get you on the show to talk about all this great stuff 
you've you've had just an amazing career as a researcher, ten years, and you've done so much stuff. And and I just really, honestly, uh, without blowing smoke up up your posterior here, I really do admire your work a lot. And a lot of what goes into Banal of America is certainly inspired by the BlackVault.com and the way that you've made Black Vault a brand as far as producing quality information for people who are interested in the UFO phenomenon. I just hold that in tremendously high regard. Um, and hopefully uh, this is the beginning of a long friendship here in the UFO field, and you and I are going to be bumping into each other for decades to come at various conferences and what have you, and I wish you the best of luck in your work, and thanks again for coming on the show. Absolutely. I'm sure we will become good friends and bump into each other quite a lot, so I appreciate that. Thank you. There you have it, folks. That does it for this week's edition of Ben All of America Audio. Big thanks to John Greenwald for taking so much time out of his busy schedule and joining us here on the program. Of course, you can find out more information on John Greenwald at blackvault.com, B-L-A-C-K-V-A-U-L-T.com. It is an esoteric institution. If you haven't experienced it yet, definitely do so and check out blackvault.com. Moving right along now, in light of my sickliness this week, we're going to skip over Ben All of America audio listener feedback. Quite frankly, I'm just kind of exhausted, so I don't want to shortchange a Vanilla America audio listener with a half-assed edition of VOA audio feedback. But, of course, there's much to talk about in the form of my debut as a esoteric radio guest on Red Ice Radio. The fantastic Henrik Palmgren of Sweden is the host of Red Ice Radio, which emanates out of RedIceCreations.com. He invited me on the program last week. We taped the interview yesterday, a two-hour interview. The first hour is free on the Red Ice Creations website. The second hour is available to Red Ice Creations subscribers. Even if you don't want to join up at Red Ice, you can definitely still hear the first hour of the Vinal interview at redicecreations.com. That is totally free and available, and it will be posted there on February 11th, 2007, this Sunday. So chances are, by the time you're listening to me right now, you'll be able to download that interview. And just to give you a little thumbnail on what I was talking about, to be honest with you, it was my first ever interview, and I was kind of nervous. And of course, as I've noted numerous times here on this episode, I'm rather under the weather. So I think I was a little spaced out and rambling in the first few minutes or so, but then eventually I kind of settled down, and we talked about BenAllOfAmerica.com, Audio gave a little behind-the-scenes sort of look at it, some of the tenets of BenAllOfAmerica.com, what we really are going for here at the website, and what our goals are. We talked about ufology, UFOs, my thoughts on the UFO field, and what I'd like to see become of it, various aspects of Esoterica, my favorite UFO case, uh, ideal Benall of America audio guests. Just tons and tons of stuff. Henrik put me through the ringer on Red Ice Creations, and uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was like a bizarro edition of BOA Audio, where I get a chance to talk about a lot of stuff that I haven't had a chance to say on Ben All of America Audio, where, you know, I defer to the guests and let them have their say. And on this episode of Red Ice, I'll get my say on some of the topics. And you may be surprised by some of my opinions. And if you want to hear the first ever Tim Benall interview, go to redicecreations.com, R-E-D-I-C-E-C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N-S.com, Red Ice Creations, or simply go to banallofamerica.com, look in the left-hand column on the homepage, and you'll see the headline, Banal Speaks. Under that will be the link to Red Ice Creations, where the interview will be housed and posted and available for download. Definitely please check it out. I would really appreciate it if the Banal of America audio listeners would check it out and let me know what you think of it and let me know how I did. And feel free to voice your opinions on my first ever interview. I'm definitely interested to hear what the feedback on that's going to be. If you'd like to be a part of future Banal of America audio listener feedback segments on the program, there's a simple way to go about doing that. You either click the contact button at banalofamerica.com. That's in the top right-hand corner of the screen. That will bring you to the page that has the email addresses to get a hold of me. Or you can simply write to boaaudio at hotmail.com, boaaudio at hotmail.com. Either one of those methods will put your correspondence on the road to being featured on Banal of America Audio listener feedback when it resumes next week. Time now, of course, for the thanks. I would not be able to do this program without the help of the staff at banalofamerica.com. They are the fuel that keeps the machine running. Leslie, Chiron, R. Lee, Joe V., and Ralph Molesworth. 
Thank you to the staff and the gang at BanalofAmerica.com for your help and support. BanalofAmerica.com, make it a part of your everyday search for esoteric news and opinion. If you're a long-time Banal of America audio listener, an appreciative newcomer, or you just have money to burn and you want to help support the audio series and the website, simply click the PayPal button at BanalofAmerica.com and make a donation to BOA. Every little bit helps, every little bit counts, and all donations go towards keeping the esoteric think tank that is BanalofAmerica.com up and running and producing the unique material that you can only find at BOA. So if you can, please do click the PayPal button, and make a donation. Next week on Banal of America Audio, Jerry E. Smith returns to the program. Last year we had Jerry E. Smith on for a two-part fantastic episode discussing the Spear of Destiny, the Holy Lance. Next week we're going to talk to Jerry E. Smith about his latest book, Weather Warfare, the Military's Plan to Draft Mother Nature. We're going to be covering environmental-slash-weather modification from a ton of different angles. The Rainmakers of the 1890s. UN legislation on environmental modification and why it's completely backwards and wrong and broken. The military studies on how to use weather as a weapon. In-depth discussion on HARP and what it might be used for. Also, thorough conversation on the contrail versus chemtrail controversy and how it all might be related to controlling the weather. It is a totally fascinating addition and it's yet another realm of the esoteric where BOA audio will tread. We'll have a preview of Jerry E. Smith on Banal of America Audio posted at BOA next week. I swear this time, I promise, we'll have the preview posted. The preview for John Greenwald went down the tubes when I got sick, so I didn't have a chance to make it and get it out for you, but I'm expecting to no longer be sick by Monday, and we hope to have the preview up at BanalofAmerica.com on Thursday. On that note, we call it a week here on Banal of America Audio. Definitely check out Red Ice Creations for my very first interview ever. Until you hear from me next week, folks, thanks for listening. This is Tim Banal, signing off.